0: oh here we go i don't want to spend our last moments running
1: i don't want to spend our last moments running i love it as the pyroclastic surge slowly ambles toward them
0: here's actually here. here's one maybe um for those about to podcast we salute you
1: yeah that was very dramatic yes. we might go
2: with mm-hmm. that <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, a podcast about film, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Elijah Fleming.
0: And I'm Colin McCormick.
2: And today we're talking about Pompeii, a 2014 romantic historical disaster film uh, produced and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Also joining us today is a very special guest, uh, our colleague from the University of Texas, Christy Shermer, who is joining us all the way from Rome. Uh, from the American Academy, and we are super excited to have you today, Christy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're really, yeah, this is um, kismet, I guess, like, to have you for this episode, because I think this, like, not to say, like, when I think of Pompeii, I think of you, but, like, (laughs) I think you were the perfect person to talk about this movie, both because of your knowledge of Pompeii and, I'm going to go on a limb, love of garbage movies.
1: Yes,
2: yeah, (laughs) you're right. Yeah, I think that's good. I remember that you, you actually like introduced me kind of to this movie like years ago. Um, You were like, did you see this garbage movie? It's so much fun. It's a, it's, it's so garbage. And, uh, and then I went home and watched it for myself and I texted you the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I love it or hate it. So yeah, so
0: we'll start with you, but in, in the, the, the perennial question though is, is do you dig it? Which is sounding schlockier and schlockier the more I say that, but...
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, no. The answer is no. I, if I had to choose, yes or no, no. I don't dig it. In a nutshell, I'm like, not angry at this movie, but I'm frustrated by this movie. I'm I'm frustrated that they took the premise of a movie filmed in Pompeii in 79 AD, and this is the movie that... Came out of that, yes. <laughs> and now we can no, we can never again have a movie called Pompeii about the eruption because someone used that idea and <laughs> made a made
0: this, this is yeah, this it is, got yeah. first in the door.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think I agree. I, I think it's just disappointing. You just kind of feel let down.
0: <laughs> my, I'm trying to think like when a couple of things of like when I so sorry, so my. The, my takeaway that I'm just going to say upright, like my thesis on this movie is this movie is a copy or a parody of better movies, of other better movies. It's like a, it's a cheap parody of other better movies because just earlier this week, sort of slightly in preparation for this movie, and also because of other things, I rewatched Titanic. And mm-hmm. so I like basically went into this movie with like the Titanic frame of mind. And this movie is. So clearly, like, pulling from the Titanic playbook, but also the Gladiator playbook, but also it's, like, 15 years after both of those movies. And then I guess also it's playing into, like, the Disaster movie playbook, like, Day After Tomorrow. And I feel like there was, like, a slew of those in, like, the mid-2000s. Yeah. And, yeah, this movie's – it's hot pyroclastic garbage. Like, I don't know how else (laughs) to describe it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I recently rewatched Dante's Peak, actually. Which is a much better volcano movie.
0: <laughs> not volcano.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, not volcano. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it, it does try to do a lot of a lot of those things. And and I, I agree with you that it's it does not succeed.
1: <laughs> yeah, they I feel like they basically made a gladiator movie and threw in every special effect related to disaster movies. Regardless of whether they really made sense with the the, the storyline.
0: Like I could, I could basically, and I kind of started doing this on like this little Google doc that I have where I, I could go through and just point out the similarities between this movie and like these other better movies that came before it, where it's like, it's got that gladiator plot of like the guy who becomes a gladiator and then defies an empire or sort of, we'll get into whether or not Milo actually defies the empire or not. <laughs> And also, he's got the like the like the like the exact copy of the Jimon Huson character in Gladiator, and it even has like the same set pieces, like the same gladiator fights. But on top of that, it's also the Titanic story of the like poor boy, rich girl, forbidden romance set against the backdrop of like this tragic historical disaster. And then, then there's just other things I kept going through. Like at one point, he wears basically the armor from Spartacus, like the Kirk okay. Douglas Spartacus armor. He, um, that 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 guy that like the guy who's like the gladiator owner who like owns him is basically just riffing off of Peter Ustinov's character in Spartacus, like the Badiata's character. Definitely.
2: Um, there's
0: just so many you could just go through, and also all of it is just like kind of exceedingly dumb. <laughs> Because I, I suppose like we should like set the scene a little bit because this is so it's 2014 and Game of Thrones is like ascending and Kit Harrington is like who is like peak fame. And so they tap him for this action adventure movie. He's basically only ever done Game of Thrones. And I want to talk about Kit Harrington and the other actors in this movie later. But let's I guess first start with I don't even know where I want to start. I'm like my, my head is spinning. Um <laughs>
1: Well, can we talk about who I think is the true main character of this movie? Please? Yeah, horses. <laughs> this movie is is about horses. It's kind of true. and every almost every scene ends in in some like dramatic interaction with a horse,
0: yeah. It's this movie so loves true. horses. it does. It's like the whole because like for a minute i was we were I was watching it. And I was like, "Why is it like like it's all about like him being from the horse tribe?" And then there's so many like him in like he's like a horse whisperer, yeah, which is basically the impetus for the romance because he like m- kill he like mercy kills a horse, which is what sparks off his romance with Emily Browning.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the worst meat cute ever, <laughs> and she loves
1: Never. it because all young women love horses, <laughs> obviously, and, I and the men
0: who kill them,
1: yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's like the the horse. Maybe the horse. We don't actually know for sure, but like maybe the horse is the only person or the only thing that survives Pompeii because, like, I guess it runs around in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah that's true. maybe he made it to Naples or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So that. So that, that. actually. That I'll. I'll begin with this, which is I think the an excellent point that I was watching this w- with Tracy and at one point she just said, and I had to write it down verbatim because I thought it was kind of perfect, but what she said, is the point of this movie that none of the plot lines matter because there's an eruption? Because that's my final takeaway of this movie is that, like, there's these plot lines with, like, the gladiator and the resistance and, like, Roman corruption and then also the, like, love story and none of it, like, it kind of at the end of the movie it all is sort of like, well, it might as well not have happened.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, and... At the same time, the eruption also doesn't matter as an eruption. It's just like a disaster. That's interesting. Because I feel like the eruption was just a, an excuse to make this movie. And I mean, I, they weren't really, I guess they weren't really, I mean, obviously they weren't like faithful to the specifics mm-hmm. of what that eruption would have been like. Yeah, it seems like, that's interesting. Yeah, it seems like the storylines were dry. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was driving the plot. I think there wasn't a plot, maybe.
0: No. Well, so like, I'm coming again, like I'm coming against this, against the backdrop of Titanic, which I think to me is the movie to read. There's two movies to read this movie against. One is Gladiator, Henry. which we can end to, but I want to talk about Titanic first because it's on the brain. But like two sort of things about Titanic, which is where in Titanic, like just in the, the sense of the plot line, the Titanic and Rose's interactions on the Titanic matter because they are like this... Galvanizing moment in Rose's life where, like, her romance with Jack is like a kind of awakening. And then the actual event of that Titanic is this very eye opening experience, but it also, like, literally allows her to sort of escape her life and start fresh, and from which she can have this sort of rich life. Simultaneously, there's this other aspect of Titanic. Uh, and I think this movie kind of misses on both counts, where it's like the Titanic, the James Cameron's Titanic is framed, has this like framing device where there's like this expedition. Searching the Titanic and all these people who are like obsessed with like the details and facts and specifics of like what was happening on the Titanic and and how everything is going down and they kind of miss the like human story that like this was a thing that happened and affected people's lives and ended many lives and affected many others sort of who are either on the ship or connected to the ship in some way and then this kind of the Bill Paxton character who's just like a James character or James Cameron stand in is, like, realizing, as Rose tells him the story, like, oh, I missed that. I never got Titanic because I was obsessed with, like, how many gallons of water the ship was taking on, you know, by 8 p.m. or whatever. And I think this movie kind of fails on both counts. So, like, it starts with that quote from Pliny Mm -hmm. because it's, like, a pretentious – or, like, if a movie wants to be taken seriously, you start with a quote from, like, some famous dead person. And it starts with this quote from Pliny about the, like – the like sort of horror of Pompeii, like the, and like the sort of people's reactions in their sort of final moments and faced with this kind of terror, what people do, like it's, it's about, you know, people, women and children crying and people praying to the gods or abandoning, thinking that the gods don't exist. And like what people do kind of when faced with like this inevitable death, which I think Titanic also kind of gets, because you get all these scenes in Titanic of like, people like all these little intimate moments of like the captain with the ship or like the orchestra most famously who like play themselves out or like the mother with her, she like is putting your children to bed and like, Oh, you get all these like moments and you get a sense of like the tragedy. Whereas this is just kind of a disaster movie where even though the movie kind of the, the title screen of the beginning sets it up as like, it's about this like horrible, horrific tragedy and like what it would be like to be in that experience people in this, the general people in this movie basically just exist. So buildings can fall on them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was really wishing they would have, well, I don't know, I guess. I mean, I'm not a screenwriter or director, but like, yeah, I think it would have been interesting if we could have seen some of the other everyday people and like what, it's not like an ensemble movie, obviously, but you're right by focusing on just that overplayed group of like characters. Yeah, everyone else didn't. I don't know. Everyone else didn't matter.
2: No, I, I agree with that. And I think that there was such potential for a similar framing device. It's like we have so much archaeological material from Pompeii and we have, you know, the plaster casts of all of these bodies like they really could have worked backwards from uh, like people and the animals and the places and given a lot of life to those. And I think a similar kind of framing device could have really worked here. Um, I think that was totally possible. And it's just making me like even more angry right now that they didn't uh-huh. <laughs> take the time to think about it.
0: They like yeah. almost had that thought because the first and last like things you see in the movie <laughs> are basically like a recreation of the yeah. plaster cast where like we have all of these like essentially like it shadows or echoes of like what people were doing in their final moments. And it's very chilling, I guess, is the word to see these.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I read somewhere that like, th- like they have that sort of plaster cast of Kit Harrington kissing Emily Browning that I think is supposed to be inspired by, I think it's like the two lovers cast.
2: Yeah. 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 It's the ones that are supposed to be, it's two guys, right? I think so. It's
1: this is a problem. I mean, not to I, not to be pedantic, but I, yeah, I feel like those opening credits. No, this were, is the this is
0: the platform for pedantry.
1: This is this is when I like knew things were not going to be going well because, I, to your point, Eli, I think it would have been nice if it kind of it could have been interesting. I think it could have been done respectfully to sort yeah sort of trace backwards some of the individuals that we can see in the archaeological record and but I don't know if anyone involved in this movie understands plaster casts are plaster casts <laughs> no. and not bodies turned to stone upright because like yeah. because yes it was showing excavated plaster casts that were like hoisted vertically and ash was falling on them so it, like doesn't you know i mean it was dramatic are you saying and- if i
0: don't if i stand in the middle of a volcano my body will just turn into a sort of ash <laughs> statue right <laughs> Just like <laughs> on the record, you're saying that's that's what happens.
1: That's what that's what Paul W. S. Anderson is saying happens. <laughs> it turns to stone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Not that they have to be like, precise about it, but well, I, I, again, like this is, I
0: think, another. Again, I'm going to be talking a lot about Titanic because I've thought a lot <laughs> by Ti- about I've thought a lot more about Titanic than I have about Pompeii in the last like seven days. <laughs> But, like, one of the things about Titanic is, like, you can absolutely tell, like, James Cameron is, like, an absolute Titanic nerd. And, they're, like, that movie is famous for, like, specific attentions to detail. Like, the menu that they serve on the ship is the menu that was on the Titanic. Like, all of the China ware and, um, like, all of the different, like ca- like, crewmates and stuff is all, like, pretty much – it's, like, a very, very faithful recreation of – The Titanic, And you can kind of tell that it was like partially because he has that framing device in the movie where where it like originated out of this like obsession with just like the facts of Titanic. And then like out of which he sort of then it becomes about the human story, whereas like there is basically no attention to any reality of the because like there's no reference really to the actual Pompeii aside from that sort of vague reference to the plaster casts at the beginning of the end. There's like no reference to the actual sort of
1: Pompeii. Focusing it in the amphitheater maybe kind of tried to do that because I mean, Pompeii did have an amphitheater like that and it was sort of well known and it's well preserved. So I feel like they, like somebody knew something, like (laughs) someone was consulted.
2: Yeah. Some
1: details were absorbed and others were, were not, I think.
2: That sort of like brings me like the thing that I thought about this movie was I was like, this is so lazy. It's like they didn't fully read the whole article or, you know, like they yeah. saw a picture of the amphitheater um, and they didn't read like look any farther. Um, yeah, it, it was like the opposite of the obsessive compulsive attention to detail in Titanic. It's just like, well, there's there's an amphitheater. There's there's a harbor. There's a city. <laughs> there was a moment early on when they were like,
1: I think it was when the, who's the female lead Cassia, when she was like returning home. I feel like they were showing some like setting up the city. They were showing, showing people in, in you know, kind of on the street, like buying things and walking around and at a taberna mm. meeting.
0: I definitely like, there's a shot. Yeah. There's a shot where she like crosses the street and you can see her walking across like in Pompeii, like they have those streets with like those blocks basically that go across that are like these big stepping stones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for it's like they're, they're set up. So like, I think like you can walk across from like, like sidewalk to sidewalk, but also there's space. So like a wagon could go through it. Right. Like that's the idea. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep.
0: And like, that was like, I was like, Oh, that like looks almost like they took like a sort of copy of historical Pompeii and then like sort of built the set out of it a Mm -hmm. little bit. Uh, I'm reading this quote on uh, just like the Wikipedia that apparently uh, Anderson said that they would do helicopter shots over the city or like the real, the ruins and then get to, and then use that layout to create the computer generated sort of top down. Like when they have those sort of wide shots.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. You wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the most
1: confusing and troubling things was the topography and the geography were they didn't you know they didn't really have any bearing on reality they didn't really make sense and it was confusing but they they were sort of those things were like driven by the plot because they wanted the villa to like crash into the sea so they were like putting things on the coast that don't belong on the coast and I, i don't know
0: yeah. Weird. Well, so actually, we, we're like getting ahead of ourselves now that we're like, oh, 25 minutes into this recording, but we should have prefaced it like, Chrissy, you worked in Pompeii for like many, many summers, right?
1: Yeah, I worked there, I guess, for, for five summers. So I'm not an expert, but I have like a pretty, pretty good familiarity with with the archeology span of Pompeii and yeah. I have a soft spot for it.
0: Cause I, I want to later at the, uh, I want to later, I want to come back and actually talk about just about like Pompeii today. Cause it's just kind of like a, it's just an interesting place to talk about generally, but I'm going to pinhole that I think for the, for now um, and talk about this villa crashing into the sea. <laughs> Other than that, I just don't have to like, cause we can talk about actually like this movie vis-a-vis actual Pompeii. And then then I I sort of want to get into, like, the plot a little bit, or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because there's, like—I mean, obviously, like, this movie, like, turns up the dial a little bit. But I suppose, like, one of the things, like, when people think about a city being destroyed by a volcano, I feel like this movie channels, like, what would be, like, the popular understanding of what it would be like to be destroyed by a volcano, which is a lot of, like, fire and brimstone. But, like, as I I think I understand it, it would have been a much sort of— more prolonged i mean not super prolonged like but like relatively prolonged sort of experience
1: yeah it would have i mean they kind of tried to do that it happened over multiple days and there were different surges in the eruption that that killed people in different ways so they like they kind of again they kind of respected that a little bit but they didn't really get the details right because for some reason i they seemed to want to use special effects meant for like an earthquake movie.
2: So mm-hmm. like if you,
1: if I watched this movie and I didn't know anything else about historical Pompeii, I would have thought most people died because the earth opened up and they like <laughs> fell into a cravat <laughs> and like everything, you know, and like buildings are falling like dominoes, right? Like people are like running and riding horses and the buildings are like collapsing like dominoes and they have to like mm-hmm. outrun architectural collapses. Which they just they wanted know- things like they wanted things falling on people, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Ca- they didn't go for like the big chunks of volcanic material. That, but then they, I mean, they then they wanted. I was see, I was like, I was sort of jotting down notes. It was like, oh, why this is just earthquake? What's going on? You know, in reality, they would have the first surge would have shot a bunch of like tephra, a bunch of like volcanic material, like twenty kilometers in the air, and it would fall in and, and kill people. And ash would have rained down. But then, so then, but then they kind of wanted to do that, but they did it with like fireballs and, you know, what kind of looked like rocket launchers. And I, mean, I don't know, I'm not a volcanologist. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe they would have been hot and red, <laughs> like red hot. Like, that. I, I don't know, I guess, Elijah, do you, do you know? Mm,
2: I, I don't know if the, I don't know the actual like process, but it's like, I, what bothered me about like all the, ac- like, architectural destruction is that those a lot of those buildings are still standing today and it's yeah, like i was thinking yeah. about this with like
0: <laughs> when i first saw this because like they have this whole bit like so much of this movie takes place in the amphitheater and then the amphitheater basically like completely falls yeah. in on itself right but i'm yeah. like i've like walked around that amphitheater yeah. And it's like i mean it's it's not amazing but it's like in, it's in really good shape i'd say
1: it's quite well preserved and like it's preserved yeah things the things that are missing from it aren't aren't the like huge jagged yeah it's like it's it's missing like (laughs) blocks that it's missing parts like any building would would lose if it were buried under like volcanic ash and pumice for 2000 years i mean it's not
2: yeah it wasn't like
1: destroyed from within yeah
2: (laughs) well because i think yeah the one of the things that the eruption did was like preserve a lot of this stuff right like so it it sort of i don't know like you know we say frozen in time it like sort of kept it all sitting right there so i think it's funny that we're showing you know like the huge jagged pieces of stuff just like you know flinging up into the air and everything's upending it's like that's 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 still there, like, right now. I think, like,
0: like, that's like, that's, like, the difference where, like, if this were – if James Cameron had been obsessed with Pompeii as opposed to Titanic yeah. and had made this movie <laughs> and this was Kate and Leo, uh, aside from just probably being an infinitely better movie, but, like, we would have had a scene in, like, the House of the Vetti. Or the House of Diomedes, these like very famous archaeological sites where we have, you know, we would have had a shot of like the famous wall paintings Mm -hmm. that were preserved in Pompeii, which is like pretty much like everything we know about. This is my outsider sort of perspective, but everything we know about Roman art is basically from these wall paintings in Pompeii or something like that. (laughs) Or like Roman interior design is like Pompeii. We would have had like an Alexander mosaic or like that famous like Beware the Dog Mm -hmm. mosaic on the floor. And then we would we probably would have had an actual dog. Mm-hmm. Um yep. like that's yeah. the movie we kind of, you know, were are sort of chopping at the bit for in the same way that like Titanic people sort of got the like there's probably I'm sure there's a gajillion Easter eggs in Titanic that like if you know everything about the ship, you could be like, oh that's like ensign blank who was like on this, you know, this watch duty at this hour. Like these be like <laughs> I know the watch order of everyone who was on the ship or like whatever. Yeah.
1: Well yeah and if they wanted Action and like flash. I feel like if they had been faithful to the actual features of a Plinian eruption, it's like pretty grotesque and it's it's horrible. And you know, especially I don't want to like, maybe jump to the ending, but mm-hmm. in in like the final surge that rushes through and kills people. I mean, people's people are asphyxiating on hot boiling on hot gas, and their like brains are boiling in their heads. I mean, it's like so it's like instantaneous horrific death. Which is to go back to your comment earlier about the plaster casts, one of one of the issues with some with interpreting from the position of the plaster casts is that a lot of them a lot of their positioning is a result of like muscle contracting that just happens like as a product of the the way they die. Yeah.
0: I guess this is maybe like maybe like less sexy and more horrific, but like as opposed to being like crushed by a building or like hit by lot like a lava ball, but like they're like, as I understand, I think like many, most people, at least in Pompeii, died of like asphyxiation and like uh, suffocating and like choking on like ash and fumes and things like that, right?
1: Yeah, if they st- yeah, if they like stayed, if they lasted until the the, the last surge, that's what it would have been. A lot of people did die from big things falling on them, and like roofs would have, I think, roofs, ceilings collapsed, roofs were like damaged by flying material, but.
0: Because because, yeah. again, this is, like, I'm pulling back. Um, it's been many years since I've, I've thought or learned about sort of Pompeii. But, like, the Pompeii itself was effectively, like, boiled – like, not boiled – buried under super hot ash, right?
1: Yes. And, like, pumice.
0: Okay. Versus, like, on the other side, you had, like, Herculaneum, which was hit by, with, like, a mud flow or something. Yeah. Right?
1: It was, like, yeah, hot mud that, like, froze into what – be, what it behaves like rock basically well yeah that could have been i mean that could have been interesting herculaneum, herculaneum i know i exist like, on the in the geography of this movie
2: well it's like i think yeah like we have all of those people who took like refuge in the <laughs> the harbor section that there's so much osteological work being done on those people at at herculaneum and that would have been a really cool facet to like sort of see the differences between that and
0: it would have been like uh, i'm trying to think of like i'm trying to think of like a comparable movie but the setup where you have like it's like sort of an ensemble cast or it's like spread out and there's like part of the action is in herculaneum and there's like different you know it's cutting back and forth cuz like there was well actually i'm i'm going to i'm going to defer to the archaeologist but like the like what what is the difference between the context of like herculaneum and pompeii
2: my understanding and Christy, please correct me if I'm wrong. Is that digging through um, Herculaneum is like digging through concrete, and that working at Pompeii is much friendlier in in terms of just like the packed ash and pumice that's that's around it.
1: Yeah, at Pompeii, it's stuff that you can you can remove with like a shovel and scooping and troweling. And Herculaneum, I think you need like a jackhammer <laughs> maybe literally i mean i literally i yeah. think i don't know i mean yeah. it is like you're right it's like it is like concrete
2: yeah and i think which, that's where they historically used dynamite to get just some places open to actually look at them which is you know not the best idea and is as it should be pretty vilified you know in modern scholarship but i it's also you know they didn't have a jackhammer mm-hmm. <laughs> And things were preserved differently, and some things were
1: preserved better in Herculaneum. Like I think wood survived more in Herculaneum because it was sort of frozen in that environment where like no oxygen could could get to it,
0: it didn't decompose. I remember like my I don't know actually how much of it is like reconstruction and stuff, but my impression of Herculaneum is that they have a lot more sort of. Um, like, ever, the buildings seem very much more intact. And, like, there's, like, very huge houses that you can go inside of in Herculaneum. And they have, like, they almost seem like multiple stories are preserved. Um, and everything is in, like, really good shape, relatively. Also, because, like, also, it probably should it should be mentioned that Herculaneum is, I feel like, the, like, a tenth the size of Pompeii. Just, like, as a city, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't, I actually don't know much about the history of the excavations at Herculaneum. But it's occurring to me that maybe... Maybe I mean I mean well certainly some of the disintegration at Pompeii has to do with it being excavated and then exposed to elements and and left out in the open and then mm-hmm. I found, I, found I spotted the the one quote that I wrote down. Oh yes, Hit
0: what? Yeah,
1: Juno's tit. <laughs> 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 Who's, who said the movie was her dad oh. <laughs> for no reason? <laughs> Except to let us know they've heard of Juno, I think.
0: That's like I feel like that's like a line. Like if you if you watch like HBO's Rome, they'll they'll, they'll have swears. Like the only one I can ever remember is like at one point I think, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Polo.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: he says something like like this is like it's hotter than like Vulcan's dick or something like that. Yeah.
1: Like,
0: yep. I feel like the, that is like that writing.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yep. So, yeah, we could, oh man, I guess we could get into, because we could get into the plot of this movie. Yeah,
1: I think we should get again. into the plot. I mean, the last Let's thing I'll it. say is that I was swept, I was like so taken in by wanting this movie to be better that hmm. I can't, we can't, we can't leave without mentioning that they added a tsunami. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I found myself <laughs> pausing it. There was the moment when the tsunami was like coming in and there was a, a boat that was like being like pushed along a street by the tsunami. And I found myself like an idiot pausing it and trying to figure out where the hell is that? That doesn't look like the Porta Marina. Like what street is that boat on? (laughs) And, uh, I mean, to go back to this claim that they used, like, helicopter footage to get the, <laughs> you know, the layout of the city down, it didn't, but it was so dramatic. I mean, yeah, they, they just added, I can't believe they added a tsunami, it was really infuriating.
0: No, but the, again, this is like the influence of the disaster movie sort of genre. Wherein again, I think I'm thinking of um, day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's got the that's got the huge tidal wave scene, right? They're all they all kind of run into my mind, like I have, partially oh, no, because is I've that, seen like uh,
2: 2012 or
0: maybe it also has huge tidal waves. Like yeah, they all yeah. sort of run together. One because I haven't seen like any of them, and two because I think they're kind of all the same. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> like there's a it's a huge tidal wave.
2: No, that that was upsetting.
0: <laughs> and again, like there's like. There's a moment – like, again, that is a scene where there's a moment where, like, it, it feels like the writers are just doing a thing because it's sort of expected. There's a moment in that where Atticus, the Atticus character, he, like, rescues a little girl who's, like – there's like it's, like, almost like that trope where it's, like, a little kid is abandoned in the panic and the hero or, or or one of the heroes sees the little kid and rescues them and then returns them to their parent. And then it's, like, okay, that's, like, a great scene, I guess. I mean, we already knew this character was kind of, like, a, a nice guy, but, like – that's also again like kind of pointless because they all just they all just get buried anyways.
2: Yeah. Yep. And we had like no attachment to the girl or her family. Like there was no sort of buildup to that. It was like
0: No, the the, the 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 people and their deaths in this movie are by and large like props to like revel in we're like I guess like we're we're supposed to sort of revel in this I think this is a critique you can make about a lot of modern movies. And I think it extends to like, also like a lot of superhero movies and like monster movies. Like I haven't seen the new Godzilla, but I suspect there's a lot of this going on because there is in some of the other ones of just like, where originally there was movies. Like if you watch like the old Godzilla, it's sort of about the terror of like experiencing this incredibly beyond you force that like, you can't control. You can't really do anything about like being sort of helpless and powerless in that kind of situation and exploring that kind of like pathos. And then I think a lot of movies today, this included, this is probably one of the worst examples, kind of really revel in just like, let's just see like people get squished by like
1: fireballs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. With with very little, I guess, uh, you know, care about like the human aspect, I guess, again, um, going back to Titanic. Are
1: you ready to go back to Titanic? Um,
2: mm-hmm. I feel like there is very little tragedy here. Yeah. And, I don't know. Now I'm thinking of um, Cloverfield. Are we supposed to feel bad
0: for Pompeii?
2: I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I guess. But like none of the characters,
1: I mean, it was just a bunch of characters with few lines and not much in the way of personality. I don't know.
2: There wasn't. He likes horses. That's his personality. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's no, like, like Titanic, like, part of it is, like, just, I think, part of the effect of that movie is just meditating on, like, how terrifying it would be to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. And then, or to even experience it, even to be in that situation and then survive. Because, like, afterwards, when they're searching for survivors and there's just a sea full of frozen dead corpses and then yeah. it's, it's like chilly and creepy and there's like you don't get that there's no scene where somebody comes back to Pompeii and sees the ruined city and the devastation and like the the sort of human suffering mm-hmm. on display it's just like just you know like like bam flash pow look at this
2: yeah yeah i wish Pliny had been a character mm-hmm. <laughs> that could have been fun right yeah
0: which one? Here's great. here's my question. Do you want to do? Do we want to plenty Because I went back and read reread those letters. It had been a minute, and I forgot how. Like so, some. I feel like we should preface with some context. We have yeah. So we have two letters from Pliny the Younger, who witnessed the eruption. Um, he was in a different part of the Bay of Naples and basically saw it from afar. The, like experienced some minor, like some lesser of the the effects of the volcano, like tremors and some of the ash, but, and then his uncle, Pliny the Elder, went to, not Pompeii, but Stabiae, I think,
1: yeah,
0: on the bay, and died, basically, in a, the evacuation attempt. Um, so we have, like, these first-hand references, or first-hand accounts, more or less, which, again, this movie prefaces, like, sets up the movie with, but then the preceding movie like does not engage with in any sort of meaningful way.
2: No, I, I mean, I guess I think both would have been kind of fun um, to have sort of like whiny little teenage younger Pliny, just like oh sitting, God. wanting to like do his homework and like yeah, yeah I want to go. For, for yeah. the reference,
0: the letters are yeah, the letters you can find they're in book six. It's letters sixteen and twenty are the two letters about Pompeii. Yeah, and like Pliny himself says, he's like a kid. He's like 17 or something like that when this happens. And he doesn't really know what to do, so he goes back to reading Livy. And he's like in his, like, he's like in this this villa at Mycenae And he like sees this kind of happening, and his uncle sails off to kind of see what's up and then eventually would die of, I think like asphyxiation or something. Yeah. And Pliny like hangs out and do, and does home. And there's a lot of like him just like debating with his mother of like whether or not they should evacuate and things like that. Yeah. Or like whether they should stay inside the house or they need to get out of the house. Cause they're afraid it's going to collapse or something.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting to think about that in the context of even modern natural disasters. Like there is a, I don't know, psychological aspect to how people react and what, yeah, what is the thought process? When do you, when do you know to like pull the trigger and evacuate? And some people never evacuate. Yeah. And you know, I was, we, people, re, people respond differently to the evidence in front of them about how serious a disaster is. But, and then they didn't, they had so much less information about what was going on that they really didn't know what was going to happen.
0: I was thinking about this. Cause like even today we're like, we're, we're much more on top of the the ball, like, but like, People are, like, you kind of think, like, oh, if I was in Pompeii, like, the minute it started rumbling, I'd be, like, out of there. But then I think, like, actually, no, you wouldn't. Because, like, even today, when there are, like, wildfires and people are being warned that, like, your house is in the way of the wildfire, people, like, don't evacuate from their homes. Or with hurricanes, like, this, I feel like this happens all the time, where, like, people are told to evacuate during a hurricane and don't.
2: yeah. And I mean, I think some of that is also like like the access and ability to evacuate, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's we do talk about like the people who did leave Pompeii, because I think plenty of people did get out, but like who maybe is left behind, like both today and in the past is like probably people who, uh whose, you know, mobility was controlled. So enslaved people or incredibly poor people. Yeah. So I think that's. Yeah, another human element that is really mm-hmm. missed in a lot of this.
0: Yeah, and like, or just like, like the natural impulse to sort of kind of deny. Like, I was I was reading in the letter, Pliny says something to the effect that it's like the the couple of days prior there were a bunch of tremors, but nobody really thought much of it because those happened kind of semi regularly. So it's like you know, Camp- like Campania gets a fair amount of earthquakes,
1: and yeah, they had just had a big one seventeen years prior when the movie started all the way in fact. In Britain. <laughs> Although it doesn't start well, in Britain. Or yeah, like, in Britain, yeah. It had, like, a
0: massive earthquake in 62. Uh, yeah, because, like, like, that would have been, again, like, sort of the ty- – in, like t- – I keep it. In Titanic, we're going to talk about Gladiator when we get into the plot. Because, like, the, the, the dressing, I think, of this movie is Titanic. But the the plot is a little bit more Gladiator. But in, in Titanic, there's, like, it's sort of woven in throughout the story. Where, like, at, at one point, Rose says something, like, to the, the architect of the ship – that's like, oh, there's like definitely not I'm like I'm doing the mental math in my head. And there's like not enough lifeboats. And he's like, oh, like we we didn't have the lifeboats because we thought there were like they thought it would clutter the deck. So they wouldn't let me. So like we only have lifeboats for like less than half the passengers. And just other things about like the denial that people are like, this ship can't sink. Um, and I feel like that would have been like in a sort of mm-hmm. truer like disaster movie. There would have been people that are like, oh, maybe we should leave because this, this, like the volcano might do something. And then there'd be someone else being like, no, like Pompeii stood here for, you know, a thousand years or whatever it is. Um, like we're, we're going to be like, it's all going to be fine. I've got your, or like the jaws mentality where it's like, you can't close the beaches, you know, yeah. like, we like our, <laughs> our money depends on it.
1: Yeah. I think there must've been some people who were staying to protect their property too. And people who were trying to mm-hmm. like loot, Property that was, had yeah. been abandoned. Yeah, it would have been an interesting because variety of people, which could have made yeah. for some really interesting storylines. People like the storylines that come out of what people do during a disaster instead of the romantic <laughs> plot that yeah. we had to.
0: The plot that, that <laughs> this movie thought people wanted.
1: Kiefer Sutherland.
0: Oh, all was right. not let's what play, people let's, wanted.
1: Let's just get it. Get let's I let's get into- and I didn't want that. I didn't want Kiefer like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't... I, I mean, we can talk about this, but I don't get Kiefer. Uh, partially because I never watched 24, so, like...
1: I never watched 24 either. I, I like Kiefer Sutherland as an actor, but this was such a strange role for him. And it was... I mean, it's, like, not... I feel like it's none of the actor's fault, really. It's No. It was a r- yeah. rough yeah. screenplay. Yeah. So, yeah, this, like...
0: Is, I mean, yeah, they're, they're not given much to work with. Because, like, our basic plot is we have... Like the sort of plot, there's there's so many there's there's like a couple of plots. but we have this revenge plot where Kit Harrington is the enslaved, captured war refugee from from Britannia, who is who is brought to Pompeii to be in the gladiator fights. I love it. Like this movie makes a point that he's like the best gladiator in Britain and they, and they're like, he's too good for the provinces. We got to like get him into the end. So they take him to Pompeii. Um... (laughs) (laughs) And so. And yeah,
2: he just happens um... to run into the very people who slaughtered his family.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the event that they're still sort of thinking about when, when naturally they are staging. That final battle.
0: And yeah. And then so like set against this, the Emily Browning's character has his, his returned to Pompeii from Rome. And she her parents are like local elite, basically, I guess, in Pompeii who want to make some kind of like investment. Like, what are they trying to do? They're trying to like, like. I feel like they're they're like trying to build like an amusement park or something. Yeah, it's like and, some sort of infrastructure. But, this, yeah, they said
2: something about an aqueduct at some point. Yeah,
0: it's it's almost like it's like, again another instance of this movie like trying to be other movies where like in. Um, in Quovadis, where Peter Ustinov's Nero is looking at the like model Rome and he's like I want to build my house here
1: yeah
0: and like there was that where it's like we're going to build a new we're going to build a new circus we're going to build a new aqueduct so I, I want the emperor to invest in Pompeii to I mean, again, another plot line that goes nowhere and doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, implicates her parents in Kiefer Sutherland's business. Like, it, like it all. yeah, it just, it just exists to drive those characters together to converge. Yeah. But, like, yeah, that was interesting. Like, the relationship between Pompeii and Rome was sort of... A, it was an interesting, like, undercurrent of this movie is, like, the, like, tensions around colonialism was, like, something they were, like trying to incorporate but
0: yeah because there's there's like a, like the idea that like pompeii is somewhat i guess like under the thumb or maybe a little resentful of roman like occupation although like again the, i mean i this is asking too much of this movie to really differentiate between like the idea of like pompeian identity and like <laughs> roman identity <laughs> is like um,
1: yeah it did yeah. make me wonder i saw this in the theater and i I remember one of the things I remember about it was thinking, oh, huh, like, I wonder if people still felt resentful in 79 AD about Mm -hmm. like the social wars. (laughs) Yeah. 160 years earlier. And like, someone like her her age, she's like a teenager probably. And like, mm -hmm. would she have had that like rebellious, I hate, yeah, I hate imperial Rome attitude? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because like, yeah, any, like, any res like you exactly you said any resentment Pompey might feel toward Rome is it's like they would be carrying that torch for like a hundred plus years. Yeah, it's like a couple um, generations old but that mm-hmm.
1: point. Which isn't to say they couldn't. They no, couldn't for sure.
0: Case, but and so yeah, so yeah, so she is like implicated, and then Keith. Well, also Keith. Let's just get right to Kiefer
1: because <laughs> he's I can't turned. I want to say the ham.
0: He's turned the sleeves up to like a thousand. Yep. I like. I mean, I I joke about sometimes like dipping in the river of ham or like uh, <laughs> like t- making a big old ham sandwich. Like I don't know what he's doing, but like he is just laying it on real <laughs> thick.
1: Yeah, He was very heavy handed. It was yeah. every very cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, it was cartoon He was a cartoonish. Yeah.
0: The Romans generally are very. They're like they're 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 walking around with basically like Fasci's flags. And like black armor <laughs> yeah like they, they were like they were two steps away from basically just carrying around like mussolini
1: banners or something like, yeah they didn't they didn't want to leave any room for us to be confused about who we were supposed to be rooting for because like also <laughs> the people like the gladiator i don't know manager <laughs> what's that guy's name i don't know what his oh i he's i like a warden I of that. the gladiators like yeah
0: so uh joe pingue the is I um with the uh, Ellen Bellator, both yeah, uh, like, yeah, the both trainer. of those
1: guys—they're like running around calling everyone animal filth, you know, like mm-hmm. every at every turn, they're like using like pejorative language to like remind us that they mm-hmm. are treating the gladiators very poorly.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, and again, like this is uh, another instance where like Elon and I were talking about Spartacus, where like the Batiatas character, who's like the gladiator trainer under, who, or not the gladiator trainer, the glad the owner of Spartacus and the other gladiators kind of has these like he's like kind of a sleazy scumbag guy but throughout that movie has some really like endearing human moments mm-hmm. whereas this is just like no you're a you're evil incarnate and everyone is evil incarnate
1: yeah yep Kiefer is the most yeah
0: and he oh it is just so like skeevy like when he's like I will threaten your family unless you marry me
2: I and mean, he wears that like crazy like white and gold yeah. getup and I'm like what what's going on with this and I I feel like that goes back to, like, Commodus at the end of Gladiator. He has that, like, it's like the white versus black. uh, Oh, my God. You're right. I
0: didn't even think of that. um,
2: Outfit. That's exactly what
0: it is. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. Commodus wears this, like, all white getup at the end of Gladiator.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: like, that's 100%. Like, Keither's wearing, like, the the Halloween spirit brand version of
1: that outfit. (laughs) And his accent goes right along with it in terms of. Quality and believability. What was it? Uh, at first I thought it was British. And then I thought it was like mid, it's like mid Atlantic kind of, or like maybe even like Southern American. I don't know.
0: It's like, like vaguely posh. I think is the.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it should be like in the great Gatsby or something. It was.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah it was not... There's a great, like my, there's a great moment where I like doubled over laughing, but it's when the like first kind of tremor strikes and the theater or the amphitheater collapses. And, and cassia's dad uh jared harris uh is there and then and keitha suverman's like kind of knocked out and then his wife or we, i want to come back to you because my my reactions Ann moss is in this movie complete waste of Ann moss but yeah. but she's like kill she's like kill him and he goes to like slyly kill keether Kiefer. excuse me and and he has this shot where his like eyes open and he like he's like he's like ah he like opens up with his eyes and like grabs the sword and like kills Cassie's parents <laughs> <laughs> I just want to like play that like on loop <laughs> I'm going to, like, find a clip of that. I want to get on Twitter or something and, like, find a clip of that just, like, put it on, like, repeat. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because it's just, like, he's so, like, cartoonishly villainous. Is he pretending
1: to be knocked out? Like, what was going on with that? I think that's what that was supposed
2: to be, and it just didn't translate. I will say, also, a complete waste of Jared Harris, whom I love. He's Mm. an excellent actor and mm, did not not do him any favors. I feel –
0: I think, like – Maybe, like, the, the the loser in this film is Kit Harrington. I, I actually kind of feel bad for him because I think a lot, like all of the actors in this movie, I think, are actually independently great. I mm-hmm. can't speak to Kiefer, but, like, Emily Browning has, has – I've seen her in other things, and she's great. Carrie Ann Moss is obviously fantastic. Kiefer was too good Kit- for this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they're all – yeah, they're kind of – I think they're just, like, they're used poorly and, like – I mean they they don't have much in terms of like a plot or a script to work from but I feel cuz cuz Kit is at this point he's Game of Thrones is is reaching its peak it's like in its fourth or fifth season which I think it was basically the first gig that Kit Harrington had ever got like mainstream gig he's catapulted to sort of stardom um, he's looking to basically kind of expand and like try out other things and it seems like the producers like oh like you're a huge star now like come do this action adventure movie And the way – partially I think it's like the way they use sort of Kit is I just kind of wrote my note that was just like his character, Milo, just kind of seems like a simpleton. Like he has all these – like a lot of the shots of him, he just kind of like stare or like – you know, like in the same way that like Jon Snow has a lot of like staring and looking consternated kind of scenes in Game of Thrones, this character – they're they're kind of going for that. But he just looks like he kind of doesn't understand what's going on like around – (laughs) like. And I think like, and then later, immediately after this movie, I went and watched, have you guys seen Seven Days in Hell? No. Okay. It's like this HBO comedy, like Andy Sandberg original about like a fictional tennis match between basically like a Johnny McEnroe sort of like bad boy tennis, like like Andy Sandberg's like the bad boy of tennis uh versus uh kit harrington is like the english tennis star but his character is basically like he's done nothing but tennis and he has a super controlling mother and he's just kind of like an idiot and they like and so like he goes on interviews and he just says like indubitably all the time because he thinks <laughs> it makes him sound smart um and i think like that was like kind of like a really good use of kit harrington as just this kind of like pretty doofus
1: yeah like we're only supposed to know two things about him it's that he's good with horses and frankly he has like ptsd from watching his family get killed and has become like an expert killer (laughs) yeah he's like the best killer that there is he can like you know i guess he's not a murderer because he's doing it but like i don't know what happened well i don't know i don't know how long he's been a gladiator either that was not clear to me like when how, how did he learn how to fight so well was he like taken in while he was a child? Like what happened between the opening scene and the scene yeah, where he's like yeah. in, in Londinium, like fighting. It, in and like, rear. I think it's like
0: during the credits, like he basically immediately after that massacre, he gets captured and presumably sold into slavery. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I guess he's just a gladiator from then on he's, out. like
1: trained from childhood.
0: Um, I guess. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like, later in the movie, again, like, they're ripping off Gladiator where they, like, do the thing where they recreate a battle. And they're like, I thought that battle was a massacre. And then it reverses. It, right. like, ex- it plays yeah. out exactly the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they make K- Kit Harrington's character basically, like, recreate his own family's massacre in, like, <laughs> in a very – And, again, because, like, again, like, like, you said, Christy, like, they're pretending, like, this is that general's, like, greatest victory that everyone's still thinking about like 20 years later.
1: Yeah. And like, it's possible that it is, but I mean, obviously what are the odds that <laughs> they would all end up there in the same moment? I don't know. I mean, I know it's amazing. Right. I, I was also um, bothered by how many, they're just like killing gladiators like left and right. Like, how does that work? How many gladiators do they have? Right. Like every yeah. day they're just having them kill each other.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah this is like an age-old complaint about like gladiator movies which just like like yeah like they are in reality incredibly expensive to train and maintain and so you can't it's not a it's not feasible to have them just kill each
1: other constantly yeah like every day is a fight to the death between yeah at least
0: two oh and like the um uh the Atticus character He says something, like, he's constantly being like, oh, like, I'm gonna have to kill you. Like, every time anyone gets into the arena with me, I gotta kill them. And, like, there's a lot of conversation about, like, let's not be friends because I'm gonna have to kill you. But then they end up being friends.
2: Yeah. And I think, yeah, that does sort of a disservice to, once again, just, like, the human element of existing as a gladiator. Because I think we saw some of this in Spartacus, which is, like... You don't want to make friends because you hope that you don't have to kill Mm -hmm. like the person in the cell next to you at some day and you know that you might. And that's a really like, you know, terrible tension to sort of have around your Mm -hmm. friends or your colleagues or whatever. But it's not like, you know, I'm going to kill you tomorrow Um, And it's not like we're about to die like this week. It's it's much more like these people existed for years with that tension. And I think, yeah, that really does a disservice to it.
0: And that's like the the, in the Spartacus, there's that like the scene where he fights Draba, and then because it's it's Crassus comes in and he basically Crassus says to Peter Ustinov that he's like, oh, like have them fight to the death. And P. Drimonov is like to the death, like like it's like a private gladiator show. And he's like, uh, like I can't really afford that. Like, yeah. <laughs> these... and then Crassus is like, oh, I'll reimburse you. And then so that's like part of the whole like the travel, like the kind of like how to sort of decadently cruel they all are. That mm-hmm. um, he's like, oh, I'll just I'll reimburse you. Like have them have them fight to the death.
1: Yeah, Kit Harrington and Atticus killed like. The entire gladiator school.
0: Yeah, and they kind of, well, they set up that, like, I guess, tertiary villain in, like, the, I guess he, he's, like, the Thracian or something, that big guy who's, like, kind of had it, had it out for Kit Harrington who, like, tried to shiv him in the barracks. Right. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah basically, it was, like a, it was, like, a modern American prison movie, just, like, yeah, sort yeah. of, like, transliterated to a gladiator school. <laughs>
0: hmm Yeah, they're having, like, fights in the food all and, like...
1: For no reason. For no reason, except you're, like, the new guy and you're not in my gang.
0: (laughs) I think there's, like, a throwaway line about someone's brother getting killed. But, yeah, yeah, there's, like, the bad gladiators.
1: Right. He had to kill the guy's brother because they have to, like, fight to the death every day. It was, you know, it was, like, (laughs) of course.
2: I, I don't know. Of course.
1: I was curious about the Proculus character who... Just like got into the arena, <laughs> readily. You know, he's like some like general who killed my what Milo's his name Milo's parents.
0: Yeah, he's like the he's like Keithers enforcer guy. Like he's the like second bad or like I, there's I feel like there's a term for it. Like he's sort of the heavy, mm-hmm. you know, like the the tough guy that comes in. And then, yeah, he's kind of, like, his best fighter. But but that guy is just, like, this gung-ho... He's basically, like, this jingoist where he's, like, Roman... Like, no barbarian is superior to a Roman. That's, like, his whole thing. And he's, like, I'm gonna kill whoever it takes to, like, prove that, like, Romans are superior. And then, like... I mean, I feel like we could... could, Like, the the character that maybe, I think, like, makes the least sense to me on paper is Atticus. Who becomes, basically, overnight Kit's, like, best friend. Mm -hmm. And then... At the very end is like, you go get your girl, who you've met twice, by the way. You've had two <laughs> scenes with her. One where you killed a horse in front of her, and the other where you rode off on a horse with her. Again, like horse-related. They've never spent any time
1: together without a horse present. <laughs> yeah. Until the very end. That was the first time they were together sans horse. There were still horses! <laughs> yeah, there were still horses
0: around.
2: No, 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 no. I hate it.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, and Atticus is like, you go get your girl and I'll stay here and fight Proculus for some reason. For so
2: They always
1: have to do this in movies. Like, this is, I need to do this alone kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. attitude. And it's like, are, are you kidding me?
0: It's like this noble sacrifice. But it's like, they could have been, like, I honestly, like, I feel like they, if they were there, like, we don't have to fight. We can just, like, leave.
2: Yeah, we can just walk yeah. away.
1: <laughs> There's a volcano erupting, and the, our this town is, like, the ground is opening, the buildings are falling on us, fireballs are falling from the sky. Like, literally from a tsunamis coming through. I mean, from every direction, we're about to die. And we're, like, hashing out this, from, from Proculus's standpoint, like, weirdly fabricated rivalry. I don't even know why he cared.
0: Yeah. No, none of them. Yeah. And, like, and at the end, Atticus is, like... He says his whole, like, we are who we are about to die salute you. It's like, which is, like, it doesn't, like, it sounds cool, I guess, but, like, doesn't make any sense that you would say that in the, like, context. Um, oh, God. Like, yeah, just, well, like, there's so many, yeah, there's so many scenes that, like, just confound me. Like really the one that confounds me most is I guess the like second meat because you have their you have their meat between Kit and Emily Browning where He kills a horse. Yeah, her horse falls over and he kills the horse. Does he break its neck with like his hands? Yeah. Is that
2: what well, yeah, they like say something like that. They're like, How strong he is to break a horse's neck and you're like, What? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: No. But it was like it's great, like exposition, because he like we learned everything about every character in that scene because he told her put your you know put pressure here so the horse doesn't feel pain. So we'll know that Kit Harrington is like gentle and kind.
0: <laughs> and then her like handmaiden basically is like get a load of that guy. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked her. I liked her. Her maid. Yeah, she
0: got done dirty because she, she she was going. Yeah, she was going to get water and then like the whole like cliff collapses on her. <laughs> I mean, everyone got done dirty. I think in this movie. True. Yeah, but the, so the one that confounds me is like when they actually kind of meet, and her horse that she really likes is freaking out because of. By the way, also I also feel bad for poor Felix who right. goes to exercise <laughs> the horse.
1: Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> named as
0: well. <laughs> yeah, goes goes out to like exercise the horse, gets swallowed up by like an earthquake, and everybody forgets about yeah, him.
1: Yeah, our, our first victim. I know.
0: Yeah. Oh no, yeah, a very unfortunate trope. And yeah, and so so like so the kid comes in and he like calms the horse and then he gets on the horse and then him and Emily Browning like run away on the horse for a little bit and then go back.
2: Yeah, it's like what what were you doing? You did yeah. not think this through. Um why? <laughs> <laughs> why did, like, why did he have to go back with like, it? could he have
0: just been, like, he, I don't know. Like, there's so many different ways to be, like, all right, I'm going to drop you off. And, like, now I'm going to leave.
2: Yeah, exactly. On this horse. Yeah, I'm going to um, steal your horse and you can stay here. Goodbye. In fact,
1: I thought that's sort of what they negotiated until we cut to the next scene and he was yeah apprehended. Well,
0: because it's all, like, super contrived because then it's that he gets captured and then she agrees to marry Kiefer to save his life. Which
2: is yeah, it's like because they're in love. Gymnastics to get there, right? You have to like twist everything beyond any conceivable actual motivation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and they also sort of kept kept pressing the point that she risked everything to save me. like, And I was like, I don't understand what she's risking. Like he was like, you can't, you can't take the blame, blame me, say it was my idea. And I'm just like, she's just like an elite daughter. She's just like the rich girl in town. Like what, I don't think she actually has anything on the line. No. She goes. He didn't know about the Kiefer Mm-mm. subplot no. obsession. So it's just like, oh, just go back and say it was your idea and what what was gonna happen to her? I don't think anything would have happened to her.
0: Yeah. We could have like, I feel like a like two hours of us on this podcast being like, Well like why what, what what was going on? Like what was that part? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense.
2: Like, I know. Are we are we getting to the point where we're just like we're looking for something that isn't there. I mean, oh, what? the oh, the other movies that that Paul W S Anderson directs is Death Race and like mm-hmm. Resident Evil. So it's like, are are we just looking for something that was never there in the first place? <laughs>
0: Hey, jokes on us. I guess this movie, while not well, not a huge hit, did turn a profit. I'll be in a meager mm-hmm. one. All right. Uh, it was. I uh, had a budget of about eighty to one hundred million dollars. Box office internationally, one hundred and seventeen million dollars. So it made some money, not a lot. It's, I guess that would be considered a flop. It didn't make back. It didn't make back like its an investment by like twice at least. <laughs> but yeah, there's like so many other, there's Like other little bits that I noticed. I paused the scene. Things like – there's other things that I found, like, mind-boggling. Not mind-boggling, but it's, like, frustrating and very, like, of their time. Like, all of the action scenes are cut in a way that are, like, super fast-paced and have, like, eight gajillion cuts uh, anytime anyone does anything. Which reminds me of, like – this is, I think, particularly – it, like, like, started with The Bourne Identity, but you see it in other action movies. And I think, like, there's a scene in one of the Taken movies where Liam Neeson is jumping over a fence and it's, like, six cuts of him as he jumps over the (laughs) fence – I noticed at one point that that, um, the Atticus character, the real life actor, you can see his actual tattoo on one of his arms in one of the scenes. And then they they just never show that arm for like most of the movie. Like you only ever see his right arm because his left arm, he has like a big half sleeve (laughs) that you can see very briefly in like one scene. There's just like all these like little like little things. One other thing we've mentioned of this subplot theme that never, again, like everything goes nowhere of the like corruption of Rome, because it's sort of, they make it seem like there's this whole thing with like Titus's reign that like Rome is becoming this like decadently corrupt, I don't know, f***ed up system or something like that.
2: Which is like, I don't know, plausible, like I guess depending on which historians you're sort of talking to, (laughs) but like, we Mm -hmm. don't know a whole lot about Titus just because he was in power for what, like three years or something,
0: something, something like that, super short.
2: And so I think most of the stuff that people say about him is rather positive because he didn't really have enough time to do Mm -hmm. anything super fucked up.
1: (laughs) And in fact, he like
2: responded to this disaster.
1: Yeah, yeah, like there was, that was like one of the one of, like, few know. things we don't actually hear about Pompeii that much in ancient literature. But we know they grew good onions and think they got Titus's attention. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. This is well because also like Pompeii has. I was thinking about this, and it's like kind of similar to a thing like t- the Titanic, where it's the significance of Pompeii is perhaps maybe like expanded or, or like it's 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 Pompeii has become much more important many hundreds and thousands of years after pompeii than it necessarily was like it was in its time a horrible tragedy that happened but like the significant pompeii now i think maybe has like a disproportionate influence on like the modern psyche than maybe it might have i don't know what what do you guys think about that
2: yeah because i think we don't have just like quite the volume of archaeological material uh really from other places and so it looms very large in a lot of studies of art and architecture. I mean, just for the reason of, you know, how things actually come down to us from antiquity. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there were probably, you know, tons and tons of Pompeii-like towns that we don't get to look at that would have had as great or bigger influence if they survived in a similar manner. And I mean, just to think if a bigger city Um, had survived in such a way and like what we could possibly learn from that so yeah I mean I, I can see that yeah I agree I think its influence
1: yeah its influence has become outsized yeah because it's the one it's the one we have and and like we under I think we like if if pressed anybody would sort of admit like okay I know this isn't every Roman city but like there is a Maybe less now, but in the past there had has been a tendency to sort of talk about the Roman town or like Roman urbanism. And it was really just Pompeii for, mm-hmm. for, for a while. Because it,
0: it, it's like the origin kind of of modern archaeology sort of really starts in Pompeii, right? Like this is, and like so much of what we know and what we have about Roman society and culture and art and things like that. Originate, and like our whole like conception of like how Romans like built a town. I feel like is, is like begins at Pompeii, right?
1: Yeah. And it was complicated too. Like the idea, like, yeah, the idea that it was like frozen in time when in fact, yeah, as we said, it took a f- the eruption happened over the course of a few days and people came later to like dig tunnels and loot it. So it's like, we're not, we're not actually seeing a true snapshot of everyday life. We're seeing a snapshot of a town in the middle of a, multi-day disaster Mm -hmm. a town that was like still under renovation from like an earth a big earthquake that had happened like almost 20 years before (laughs) they're like still rebuilding things i mean it's really interesting it's like an interesting laboratory for archaeology and for understanding the roman city but yeah it isn't the roman
2: city still deserves more than this movie gave. that's my takeaway I don't know what yeah I don't know what I wanted
1: from this movie I mean I didn't think it would be good I knew I went I went to the theater knowing it was going to be bad and Um,
2: it's kind of like a like you love to hate it right it's like we get some sort of like (laughs) like a stupid academic high from like being able to point out all of the things that are wrong with it
0: (laughs) all right here's here's my hot contentious take okay this movie should have actually used the exact same framing device as Titanic, where it starts off with a bunch of modern archaeologists excavating Pompeii, and then they find a living survivor, and then they have a lie where like she would have to be like, like two th- she would have to be nineteen hundred years old, and then just like, and then Rose like just the same actor. Just comes out and she was like, I was there like 1980, however many years ago it was. And then she just tells her love story with Kit Harington. It's
1: kind of like the mummy
2: meets Titanic.
0: Yeah. I I, I maintain that like the
1: movie would be no
0: less ridiculous if they just did that.
2: (laughs) I want that. Yes, please. Yeah.
0: Or they like they find someone like preserved in amber or something like I don't know, like, <laughs> and then like resurrect them like that's that's just like
1: yeah or I mean,
0: someone gets thrown back like in found time.
1: Found someone's like I don't know a scroll where someone had like written an account of like the last few days or something. actually
0: know. that would have been like the sort of semi like yeah there's like somebody discovers like somebody's last will and te- like you know their final story or whatever yeah. We were talking about the like gifts. You could change something about this movie. The thing I would change was at least one person should survive to like <laughs> reflect on it. Like all again, like a la Titanic, right? Because it's all like it's all rendered moot because everyone dies anyways. So it feels like the last hour and a half of activity
2: was just pointless. Do you <laughs>
1: think that the horse survived and could feature in a sequel?
2: Yes, one hundred percent. Because those horses too. pulled
1: it together. Because if you recall, throughout the whole movie, the whole reason the action was moving forward is because the horses were getting spooked by all the volcanic rumblings, and they were like freaking out. But then suddenly, when like the full-on eruption is occurring, the horses are like perfectly happy to be ridden down the streets <laughs> and like through the field. Like it's fine. They're like very well behaved when when it really matters. The plot demands.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah Pompeii too. The horse returns. Yeah, can't wait
0: <laughs> to seek vengeance on Keith or Sutherland's horse for killing its family and horse Britain.
2: <laughs> I'd like to see yes. it. I would watch it. Gosh. Yeah, that's my takeaway.
0: <laughs> any any closing thoughts?
2: <laughs> we deserve better. Deep sigh.
1: Yeah, we deserve better.
0: Deep, deep prolonged sigh. Yeah,
1: I'll never I'll never not be mad that. Someone clearly came up with the idea that like Pompeii, the the name, the premise, would sell tickets and they Mm -hmm. like scooped it and did not do it justice.
0: I thought this was gonna be a bigger flop than it ended up being. I don't know. I guess the Kid Harrington and the Pompeii title was alone was enough to to get us across the finish line.
1: Yeah. And there were good actors in it, as you say. There were (laughs)
0: Kiefer did win a Razzie.
2: That's amazing.
0: For worst supporting
1: actor, which...
2: <laughs> I can't yeah. think of
1: a worse supporting character. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it.
1: <laughs> he said my he said my lady like a hundred times. <laughs> he called her my lady. I hate
0: it. He, all, he might as well have also just have like punctuated all of his statements with like, because I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He could have just been like slaughtering puppies whilst talking to people like just had like a like a little side activity going yeah
0: yeah all right i think that's our closing thoughts sorry this is longer than our usual uh recording but
2: we just had so many things to say
0: um thank you christy for 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 joining us Thank Um,
1: thank you so much for inviting me and getting me to watch this movie again i i enjoyed
0: it did you tell anyone else you were doing this? And you're like, "Yo, I gotta watch this movie." And it's like,
1: "Yeah, I mentioned it to a couple of people." Mm-hmm. And were they horrified? They were amused. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it's like every, like at this point, everybody, or at least most of the people in my, in like our circles, sort of know. Like that's so bad. It's good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I w- I would say it's mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it, and I think it's made better by the fact how how seriously it takes itself.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: But yeah, thank you so much, Christy. Um, as usual, you can listen to our, you listen to these these rambling thoughts on movieswedig.com and follow us at at dig movies. But yeah, thank you uh, everyone for listening, and uh, and bye.
1: Bye. Bye.